Today's episode is part of the live VA 101 series that I'm rolling out this week in celebration of the support squad membership being open for enrollment. Every day this week, I'm going live inside the support squad hangout to share a different part of the virtual assistant journey and all of the basics that you need to know about each phase of starting a virtual assistant business. So if you haven't joined the support squad hangout yet, please do that now. It's my free Facebook group and I would love to invite you in so that you can check out these lives each day of the week. Um, And just so you know, the recordings for the podcast this week are coming straight from those lives. I am not editing anything out, so you'll have to hear some of my awkward moments um, going live, but the content is still super valuable and I'm excited to share what a virtual assistant business can do for you and also how the support squad membership community can support you along each phase of your journey. So enjoy. You're listening to the Support Squad podcast, where virtual assistants come together to share their best business tools and tips. Virtual assistant for life coaches Sharon Nissen created the Support Squad with a firm belief in community over competition. Whether you're a new virtual assistant looking for advice on how to get started or an established virtual assistant looking to expand your skills and invite even more abundance into your career, you're in the right place. Working from home doesn't have to be lonely. We're in this together. Now, here she is, the host of the Support Squad podcast, Sharon Nissen. Today we are in day three of VA 101 and we're going to be talking about how to find clients. (laughs) That's what everyone always wants to know. How do I find clients? Um, Which makes sense because that's how we get paid. That's how we earn money as virtual assistants. So before I get started, I would love for you to drop in below. Let me know, have you landed that first client and what kind of strategies have you tried or used so far? How are you feeling about finding clients? I'd love for you to drop in and let me know. Then also today in VA 101, we're going to be talking about how to onboard those clients once you find them. Uh, So that's going to be a really special part of today as well. Oh, you know what? I just realized something. I'm streaming from Facebook. I don't think I'm going to be able to show you my screen, but that'll be okay. I don't I don't need to show you my screen. I have a graphic that I'll share with you guys after the live stream um, that'll help you map out your onboarding process. So let me, real quick, let me let the folks in who are trying to join right now because we have some folks that are trying to join in for today's chat. So welcome, welcome, hello everyone. All right. So let's dive in. Finding clients. It sounds scary. It sounds exciting. A lot of us are ready for that first client because we want to start earning an income, but can also be kind of nerve wracking to think about actually starting to serve people in our business. Um, I will tell you just if you're feeling that little bit of fear about landing a client, working for that first client, I find that almost every virtual assistant I work with, you know, they may be so nervous about um, finding a client. They may not be sure if they have the skills that it's going to take. And I find that almost every VA I know, once they actually start working with clients, they realize, oh my gosh, I can totally do this. And they realize they have all the skills that they need, that they know what to do, um, and that it all unfolds pretty naturally. 
So a lot of those first time jitters will go away and it'll go only get easier and easier after that first client. So now let's talk about how to land that first client. And what I'm going to be going over with you today are basically four different ways that you can find clients. And I'm going to break down some of the pros and cons for each of them. I'm going to give some tips for each of these strategies. And I'm going to kind of share my favorite and what I see as the most sustainable, effective, and um, fulfilling way of marketing your business, finding clients, and, and growing. So let's jump in with our first way of finding clients, and this is actually how I landed my first several clients through freelancing platforms like Upwork and Freelancer.com. This was the strategy that I went with when I first started my business because I literally did not know that there was another way. <laughs> my friend told me that virtual assisting was a thing and she was like, I found these jobs on freelancer.com. And so I literally just dove in and started looking for clients. I landed a few and I was rolling. Um, but of course, with um, each of these ways that we have of finding clients, there's gonna be some pros and cons. So let's break down the, the pros and cons of finding clients through um, freelancing sites like Upwork and freelancer.com. So some pros are obviously that these are job opportunities. Someone needs a service provider and they are posting on these websites saying, I need a service provider who can help me. So you know that this is someone that needs a VA and is looking for somebody. And it's a really easy way for you to kind of get your foot in the door if you don't have any connections yet. Um, another thing is that there's just like a constant stream of them. Every day there's more and more job postings. So every day you can kind of be perusing and see if anything is a good fit for you. But of course there are gonna be some drawbacks to finding clients through these freelancing platforms. First of all, a lot of times um, the clients that come to these websites, they're looking for the lowest bidder. They're looking for the service provider who's going to get these tasks done for them at the lowest possible rate. And that's not exactly always the way that we want to be starting our business is by kind of getting that lowest possible rate. Um, also, since this is someone else's platform, I mean, Freelancer and Upwork.com are companies of their own and they need to make money. So what they do they charge um, service providers fees and sometimes like some pretty hefty fees I think on Upwork it's like 20% of what you get paid by clients is going to go to Upwork and that can be pretty a pretty big cut um, when you're making something like $20 an hour or $25 an hour that immediately takes it down to $20 an hour you're already you know being brought down a notch and if you try to raise your prices to to um, compensate for that, a lot of times you're not gonna land clients because the people on the sites are looking for the lowest bidder. So it can be hard long-term to be sustainable and profitable finding clients through these freelancing platforms. Now, some tips on how to land clients, because I know a lot of people, they get in there and they get frustrated. They're like, I'm not landing clients. I've applied to all of these jobs and I, no one has, has accepted my proposal. No one has hired me. And so I do have some kind of tried and true tips of making sure that you are landing clients on there. 
Um, first of all, only make sure that you're applying to very relevant jobs. So things that you are excited to do, things that you have the skills for, and things that like you know you could jump in and do. Um, because if you're applying for every job you see, you're going to get really burnt out and you're wasting a lot of that energy and effort. Um, the other thing that really helps is to make sure that you're sending very personalized proposals. So reading every word of whatever the potential client put in that job posting so that you're catching up, catching onto all of the little clues that they're putting out there, all of the different things that they're saying that they need. And then you are crafting your proposal to specifically fit that job and that client. Clients get really tired of getting these copy and paste proposals on these websites. They want to know that someone read through the job posting, has great attention to detail, and is going to do what they say they're going to do. The other thing that definitely took me over the edge, got me booked out within the first six weeks of being a virtual assistant was including a personalized video with each proposal that I had sent out. So at that point, I was only applying for jobs that really excited me. So stuff that really seemed like it would be a great fit for me. Um, and I was definitely making sure to personalize my proposal proposal. And then I took it up a notch by recording a video on Loom that I could send to them with my proposal to introduce myself and stand out in that way. And I had clients tell me like, once I saw that video, I didn't even look at anybody else because um, I really want to make sure I have a personal connection. And I want to see have a face behind the name of the person that I'm going to be working with. So that really helped me too when I was um, getting started. Uh, so those are kind of my tips on freelancer and Upwork. And just like a final word on these freelancing platforms, they can be a great way to get in your, your foot in the door, build some confidence, maybe fill in some gaps at the beginning of your business. But I would not rely on these freelancing platforms as a long-term strategy for finding clients for your business. We're going to find other ways of finding clients that are going to be more profitable, that are going to put us in the driver's seat and um, that are going to be just like much more sustainable for our business long term. I just realized I forgot to share a very important con when it comes to applying for these job ops on these freelancing platforms. When we apply for job ops, they're, you know, they're literally called job ops. So that client is posting what they need and we are applying. That instantly puts us in this kind of employer-employee relationship and dynamic that can be hard to break free from. If you've been a virtual assistant for a while, you might know what I'm talking about, where our um, clients treat us more like employees than like business owners and service providers. And when we are applying to job ops where people are posting what they need and we're responding to it, a lot of times it does start the relationship out off with that dynamic and be, it can be hard to break free from that. It can be hard to set boundaries. So again, not a super sustainable long-term option for finding clients. All right, so let's go into our next option here, which would be direct prospecting. So this is when you go straight to the source, you make a list of those ideal clients that you want to be working with, and you contact them directly. And there's kind of two ways that you can do this, um, either through email, or if you live locally and you're interested in working with local businesses, you can walk into those businesses with a business card or some kind of marketing material and let them know what you can do 
life for them. Um, so there's some there's some pros to this. I mean, it's very direct. You're putting yourself directly in front of that person and letting them know what you can offer. And also, because you're not on social media, because there's not a bunch of other service providers out there doing the same thing, you kind of stand out a little bit. You're there, you're not drowned out by all of the noise of the other people around you who might be offering very similar things. So it kind of puts a spotlight on you and your business. It meets the person where they are, whether it's in their email inbox or in their business. And um, so those are some pros with doing some direct prospecting. Now, some cons are that it can feel spammy. It doesn't always feel great to send out emails where you're offering your service and we can start to feel a little bit like a used car salesman. Of course, there are some strategies that we can use to kind of work around that, but you know, it can be uh, not the most enjoyable thing to be do doing long term. It's also very much a volume game. In order to get any kind of response, um, you're going to have to send out lots and lots of these pitches. You're going to have to send out a lot of emails if you're going to be doing direct prospecting. Cast a wide net um, because you might not hear back from most of the people that you contact. And that can be disheartening after a period of time, too. So those are some of the cons with direct prospecting. Um, some tips for direct prospecting are to um, be very, very specific in what you're offering. So just hopping into someone's inbox and being like, hey, I'm a virtual assistant. I could maybe do this for you or maybe do this for you. Let me know what you think is not as great as being like, hey, I'm a marketing virtual assistant. I can help you create social media posts. Do this, do that. I've even, um, I recently did a, a call, co coaching call with my support squad members where I shared that you can even create a specific offer to include in these email proposals where it's like a very specific thing you're offering. Like I will edit, um, do the show notes and um, publish one podcast episode for you for free and try it. You can try out the service and let me know what you think. And this can be a really great way when you're just starting off. If you don't have, you know, a social media following to, to get some experience and get some, um, some experience under your belt and, and, and get that first client without doing, having to do a whole, create a whole bunch of content and things like that. Um, so those are some of the pros and cons of doing some direct prospecting. The next um, way that we're going to talk about finding clients is through attraction marketing. Um, when I'm talking about attraction marketing, what I mean is that you are putting yourself out there as your own brand, as an expert, as a business owner, you're sharing what you know, you are um, you are educating folks, you're entertaining them, you're um, creating a brand around yourself and your business that attracts people to you. So you're gonna do this um, through social media, like on Instagram, even TikTok, YouTube. Um, there's all these different platforms that we can use to attract people with our content. And um, the pro of doing this is that you are um, building your own brand and presence. You're saying, I'm a business owner, I'm the expert, and that can be a real confidence boost. It also um, attracts much higher quality clients. So if you are the face of your own business and really setting yourself apart as an expert and as a leader, then it's going to attract clients that, that are ready to pay higher prices and that they're looking for that person that is the go-to gal for whatever service it is that you provide. So um, 
Another thing is that unlike when we're on these freelancing platforms or even when we're doing cold prospecting, you are going to be much more in control of the relationship because the people are going to come to you and expect you to, in a lot of ways, lead them through the experience. So that can be really, really beneficial um, to be in control of the interaction between you and your clients. It's also much more sustainable long-term because instead of just like popping into freelancing sites and applying for proposals, instead of um, even sending out all, the, all of these cold emails, you are building your own platform and your own place online that can grow with you and your business, that you can pivot as needed, where people are starting to follow you, become fans of you and those relationships will build over time. Now, of course, there are some drawbacks to using this kind of marketing or this way of finding clients. It can take a lot of work to create content that is going to attract people to you and your brand. It takes a lot of intention. It takes being really clear about what it is that you offer, what kind of transformation you can provide. Um, and so that takes a little bit of work. But like I always tell new VAs who haven't landed a client yet, if you don't have a client and you have the foundation of your business ready, your job is to market yourself. Like that is all that you should be focused on. So there are ways to make the content creating process easier through batching things out um, or planning ahead or just coming up with a consistent strategy. So there's ways around that, but it is a commitment to decide like, I'm going to step up and be the face of my own business. I'm going to set myself apart as an expert. Long term, though, it's really going to serve you. Now, um, the cons of this, or another con of this, is that it can be a long game. Um, sometimes we think like, oh, we'll put out an Instagram post and someone's going to hire me. But a lot of times what is happening is that over time, you're building this presence online that is drawing people in. And it might be weeks, months, years before they finally decide that they're ready to hire you. Now, of course, you can start to land clients, but it might take some time to really build yourself up on a platform and get the ball rolling. So you can at first combine a couple of these efforts. I don't want you to dilute your strategies for finding clients too much, but you could do a combination of building up your content on Instagram while maybe applying for some jobs on Upwork and Freelancer to try to get the ball rolling, or maybe sending some out some pitches to um, people's emails to get the ball rolling there too. So I don't want you to get too distracted or divide your focus too much, but you can combine one or two of these strategies. Um, another way of finding clients is by networking, just building relationships, whether in Facebook groups or um, um, meeting people on Instagram, hopping into their DMs, commenting on their posts, or by going to actual networking events like Chamber of Commerce events. One of my best clients, favorite clients ever, I met her at a local women's uh, gathering and she became, she was leading the gathering and immediately wanted to hire me when she found out what I did. And so you can't discount these kind of in-person, now that maybe we'll start getting, be able to get out a little bit more, um, you can't knock like actually meeting local people that you could help because we could always tap into to those places too. And the pros of finding clients through networking is that it's fun. You're building relationships. You're having chats with people. You're, um, you're, it feels less lonely and kind of less disheartening than sending out cold pitches or applying to job ops because 
it takes a little of the pressure off. You're just meeting people and building relationships. Now, some cons are that it can be hard to stand out in a sea of others who are offering the same services as you. Like if you're networking in Facebook groups, you're going to have to step up and, and really put yourself out there as an expert and be really provide a lot of value and and show up consistently. And um, networking also can be a long game. Not every relationship we make is going to turn into a client immediately. And not every relationship we make is going to be a client at all. But these relationships can benefit us in lots of other ways. Once we start meeting people online, so many doors start opening. Um, that's why like in the support squad membership, um, we started implementing monthly accountability and support partners because I want the members inside the membership to get to know each other because even when we're networking with fellow VAs, those VAs can refer us to people. Those VAs could hire you. A lot of times VAs need services that other people offer. So I really recommend that you start just building relationships as much as possible online um, and take some of the pressure off yourself that every interaction needs to lead to being a client. Again, this is a long game. Now, when we want to talk about what I recommend and what I think is the best way to build a long-lasting business that makes us happy, I really recommend combining attraction marketing, marketing with ongoing net, networking. So building a platform online, choose one or two, so like Instagram and Facebook or LinkedIn, um, maybe start with one, um, but build out that platform, start posting valuable content based on what it is that you offer. And then every single day, I want you to be having conversations with people online. I I mean, every single day I start my my calendar every single day from nine to ten is blocked as connection. That's me communicating, like answering all the comments that, that I get on Instagram, coming into this group, going into other groups, checking in with the people that I've already built relationships with online. It's about creating that web that's going to support you and root you on. It's about so much more than just clients. It's about building like a support system for yourself. And so you should be devoting at least 30 minutes every day to building relationships online. Anytime someone tells me I haven't found clients, I always say like, how many people are you talking to every day? How, how much time are you spending talking to other people, um, whether it's about your business or just building relationships? And then the other big tip I have for everything that I included here, Follow up, follow up, follow up. Don't take a non-committal or kind of a, a, a lackluster yes or a maybe as a no. These are relationships you need to follow up with again and again. And the other really important thing with all of this stuff is consistency. So if you're going to be networking, you need to be doing it every day. If you're doing attraction marketing, you need to be really consistent and clear with your content. If you're going to be um, doing... Um, cold pitching or direct prospecting, you got to be doing that all the time. You got to be following up regularly. We can't kind of um, look for clients in these short bursts because that's when we get into that feast or famine mode where it's like, 
maybe we get some clients and then the rest of all of our marketing falls falls off or we haven't been networking or we haven't been posting online then one of our client goes away and then we're left with nothing and that's why i really believe in that that combination of creating your own platform online and building lots of relationships and that is what's going to sustain you long term as you grow your business as you pivot your business as you offer new things you want like a diverse community of people that are following you, rooting you on, and, and knowing who you are. So that's how we find clients in a nutshell. Um, I see some folks on right now. I would love to know how you guys are feeling after I've said all of this. I don't know if you guys are commenting. No, I don't think anyone said much. But um, I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this. How is this making you feel? What kinds of um, strategies for finding clients are you feeling drawn to right now? I would love to know what's working, what isn't, what you've tried, what's feeling frustrating. Let me know below and I can go over some questions um, at the end of our time together is now that we've talked about finding clients, we're gonna talk about how to onboard those clients. This is really, this is one of my um, passions is teaching people how to work with their clients in a way where they feel empowered and their clients also feel supportive. So it starts with, you know, usually when we talk about how our clients are gonna get in touch with us, there's usually that initial call. Um, what we call that, Call where where our clients have found us online somehow, and we want to make that connection with them. We bring them on for a discovery call, which is basically a sales call where we we kind of interview them to find out um, if they're a good client for us, and then we you know sell our services to them. What I recommend starting this process with is a detailed questionnaire when they go to book the call. So what this does is qualify potential clients. We wanna make sure that the client needs the services that we offer. We wanna make sure that they can afford our rates and, um, and we wanna make sure that they're a good fit for us, that they're in like the industry that we wanna be working in and all of that stuff. So you wanna make sure there's a detailed questionnaire before they book the discovery call. Tomorrow, I'm going to go how to go over how to automate some pieces of this. Um, from that detailed questionnaire, they then schedule that discovery call, and what they would hopefully receive from you then after they've scheduled that discovery call is an automated Zoom link and calendar invite. So they see on their calendar when they're going to meet with you, they have that link to connect with you on Zoom. And then I recommend also including a reminder the day before so that you can cut down on those no-shows because that'll happen sometimes. They'll sign up for a discovery call, not show up, and that really puts a damper in your day that you, you don't want to have to deal with. Um, then you hold the discovery call. And, you know, I have a lot of strategies for this um, that I, I share with my support squad members all the time. Um, I can't go too in detail about it today um, just so that we can get through all of this. But basically, you want to, at the end of your discovery call, make sure there is a clear decision made. Is this person hiring you or not? You don't want any lingering things here. You want to make sure you close it out. So basically, our next step is I'm going to send over an invoice and contract. When do you want work to begin? And let them decide when that's going to happen or not. Um, so after that, I, after that initial discovery call, I recommend sending a proposal if you're going to be doing something custom outside of like a set package that you already have. So you might on the discovery call um, come to an agreement about which packet 
pre-made package you already have, or you might be creating something custom for them. So after the discovery call, you can send that proposal. And if they're like all is well, after that you send the invoice and contract after they've paid and signed, um, then you send, I like to send their welcome packet and also I usually send a physical gift to my clients um, just to give them that little extra sparkle and that little extra luxury. Um, and then what I, the way I used to always close my discovery calls is I would say, I like to start my client relationships with a kickoff call. And that's where we're gonna go over our plan for working together. Um, and I would schedule it on the call. So it was really clear to them when we would be meeting next and what would be happening. And then on that kickoff call, we're gonna go through the tasks that I'm gonna handle for them. We're gonna make a plan for it. What I always do is put it into some kind of task management software like um, Trello or Asana to get it all laid out. And then work begins. And from there, you wanna make sure that you're doing regular check-ins with your clients, um, either weekly or monthly. Um, I definitely recommend a Zoom call if you can uh, work that in once a month. Um, just to have it recurring on the calendar is a great way to keep those relationships on track and clear and all of that. And that is how we onboard our clients. Now, tomorrow, what I'm going to go into is some of the systems that we can create to make sure this is all streamlined. Because I just named how many steps, like 8, 10, or 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I, I, I just listed 12 steps of onboarding your client. And there's a lot of places, a lot of room for error inside of that. So there's lots of systems that we can create. There's lots of things that we can automate to make sure it all feels seamless, that it feels easy for us, that it feels cohesive for our clients. And there's, there's lots of ways that we can do that. So tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about those must-have systems that we need for our business and kind of the different levels we can do that because you know sometimes we can invest in fancy software and automate everything or we can get kind of scrappy and use some spreadsheets and checklists to make everything's done so I'm going to share some of my favorite ways of doing that um, so I will see you guys tomorrow for systems. I wanted to let you know some of the resources inside the support squad membership that support service providers and virtual assistants um, going through all of this. Myra, so the proposal is um, where you're listing out what you're going to be providing for them and allowing them a chance to review it and approve it. Your contract is that agreement that's going to protect your relationship, that's going to lay out the terms of the agreement and all of that. You don't always need to send a proposal if you've come to some kind of agreement on the call. Um, it, it's a little bit of an extra step, um, but a contract is like an always a must have. And and the difference is the proposal is a little more, um, what do I want to say, like casual. It's not, you're not using all that legal language that you would with a contract. So you could make it a little more simple, just a basic outline of what you'll be providing and for how much so that they can review it. I would often send that to my clients when we created kind of a custom thing 
we came up with an idea of what they needed on the discovery call, but um, I needed to kind of work out the numbers and figure out exactly how much it was co gonna cost for them. So I'd get off the discovery call, write, write out that proposal of exactly what's gonna be included, and then have give them a chance to look at that before I send over the contract and the invoice so that they know everything that's coming. Again, it is sometimes an extra step, but it can be nice if you're creating like a larger custom package because it allows you both that chance to like evaluate, make sure everything's covered. It's it's mostly to cover the service provider because you don't want to come to an agreement on a discovery call when you actually haven't thought about how long things are going to take you or how much work is involved. So it gives you a chance to go to go over all of that. Yeah, of course, Myra. I'm so glad you're here too. It's great to see you. Um, okay, so cool. And then, um, um, yeah, so I wanted to share some of the resources we have in the Support Squad membership to support you with this. So my Support Squad members, listen up because, um, you know, I, I've been creating these bundles for you guys. Um, the first, the the one of the new bundles is our networking and finding clients bundle. And so this is going to support you as you're doing that prospecting, as you're getting out there and actually actively looking for clients. So we have some great stuff in there, like um, Ryan Dowdy, who is a sales coach. She teaches us how to meet new people every single day online without sending any scammy, skeezy DMs. Um, Brandy Mowles um, taught, taught us how to... Um, use LinkedIn to find clients. It's still a little more of an untapped market than a place like Instagram. It's a little less saturated, but there are a lot more scams. So it's kind of like a, but she really shares how to do it, how to use LinkedIn really effectively. Um, Peggy Ray James, um, shares one of my favorite trainings in the membership, which is how to use social media to build relationships and sell your VA services. So if you're having trouble bridging that gap between building those relationships online and actually converting them into clients, um, Peggy shares like very specific ways to do that. A lot of you guys are already utilizing some of them, like having the, the market research coffee chat that is actually an invitation for them to work with you. Um, I also have a cold emailing guide where I share some like non-spammy cold emails and also templates for following up and all of that. And there's um, a lead tracking spreadsheet so you can track all of these different relationships that you're having. You can keep track of when you want to be following up with them and all of that. And then there's also a guide with 50 um, Facebook groups that you can use for networking with other entrepreneurs, which is pretty awesome. And then when it comes to client management, I just feel like we can never have enough resources. Um, I know we all get really sat excited as new business owners about all of those initial setup things for our business, but really what it comes down to um, when building a successful business is that long-term ongoing management of our clients. So some stuff we have in there are the client experience training with Amanda Pruden, where she breaks down that client experience from start to finish. Um, Amanda Bellamy showed us a step-by-step -step tech tutorial on how to set up an onboarding sequence or an onboarding workflow in Dubsado, which is amazing. Um, I have, so earlier when I talked about having a questionnaire before they book a discovery call, I have a template for that and also a questionnaire for offboarding to make sure that you're getting those testimonials and that feedback that you need. There's a guide with client gift ideas, which is really fun. 
There's a client management spreadsheet. So just like we track our leads, we also want to track our client's experience and make sure that everything is being taken care of. So that spreadsheet will give you a checklist of like making sure every step of that client experience is covered. There's a contract template and there's a new client welcome packet template in there. So you guys, just a reminder, the support squad membership is open for enrollment now, but it closes in two days. Yeah, two days. Um, on Friday night, uh, membership is closing down and we won't open again until the fall. So if you've been thinking about joining the support squad membership, now is the time. Um, the monthly membership is um, only $44 a month. Cancel anytime so you can try it out, see if it's for you. And you might want to stay long term or, or not, but you won't have a chance to enroll again until the fall. So definitely join now. It's been um, so fun welcoming so many more new folks in and I will see you guys tomorrow to go over all of the systems that are going to support us as we're as we're finding clients as we're marketing ourselves and as we're um, onboarding and working with our clients so I will see you guys same time same place tomorrow and have an awesome Wednesday everybody yep in case you hadn't heard the support squad membership is open for enrollment but you'll have to act fast. Enrollment closes this Friday at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time, and we won't open again until this fall. So if you wanna access the coaching, training, and resources inside the community, you should join now. There are two levels of investment with our monthly membership and the VIP membership. So you can enroll at whatever feels best for you right now. Act fast, act now. Go to thesupportsquad.com slash membership. That's thesupportsquad.com slash membership. I'll see you in there.